Today, we've got Thomas Power and, uh, you know, whilst Thomas can't remember the last time we had lunch, uh, and I can't certainly can't remember the pub it was at in the UK, it was just a few years ago, uh, which I'm damn glad of because with uh, all this lack of travel at the moment, you know, we'd love to get back to, to London and, and uh, catch up with friends and, and see people, but of course it's impossible at the moment. But I've known Thomas for, I think, uh, what is it, 21? I think 17 years now. So it's been a, a long, long time. And uh, one of the things he didn't put in his bio that he gave to Nicola is that um, he's really the first in my mind, true social networking guru. Um, he had his own company, eCademy. You'll uh, tell us the number of members that it, that it had, uh, Thomas, at, at its height, but um, it was really the preemptor to, to LinkedIn. And, uh, you know, I was a member of eCademy back then uh, in 2003, I think I was a member from, from that time on, even before I met you. So that was a fantastic um, real bit of foresight on your, on your part. And you launched a book which I think was the first of about eight books that Thomas has brought out, which is um, the first book that I recall is A Friend in Every City, which I actually thought was the ultimate book on networking. And I have to tell you, Thomas, really drove me at that stage, who was at the start of my international career, like I'd traveled somewhat, these days I've been to 108 countries, but really about having a friend in every city. It really resonated with me, the title. So I think... Um, and it was a great book. And I think your other books have been fantastic as well. Um, along with Thomas's wife, Penny, who's also a wonderful lady and, and they've got great children. They live in the UK. Um, they've been consummate at bringing people together and also at providing high levels of value for entrepreneurs and business people over the years. And they're very, very well known for it. Thomas, it's great to have you on the call today. Welcome. Any comments you'd like to give before we get started about your background or anything that I've mentioned there um, that you want to pick up? Mike, I just have to thank you for your generosity there on my profile. That is so kind. I, I consider you a peer like in the business of building groups, Mike. We met, I think it was in Bali with, uh, with Roger Hamilton's Entrepreneur Business Workshop. Yep. And uh, your the quality of your understanding back then was was completely uh, overwhelming for me that you were right on the same level. So thank you for such a, a kind and generous introduction. And good grief, I didn't realise that was 17 years. Gone in a snap. So I'm 57, Mike. So I was 40 when we met. How old were you in 2004? Well, I'm 59, so I must have been 42. Well, there you go. Where are you going? <laughs> So, Mike, do you want do you want me to go into my? I would like to let's get into a little bit of background on Thomas Power just to set the scene, and um, and then uh, we've got some questions that I've got here that I'd like to ask you on on what you're doing now, and and I think you've got some really fascinating takes on what's happening at the moment as well. So we'll jump into those. Okay, so. In terms of the background, Penny and I, my wife and I started eCademy, as Mike said, back in 1998. And it was a social network for small business owners. And small business has always been our focus our whole lives. When we say small business, we, we mean between one and 10 people, what's often referred to as micro business. But, but very small business owners, we, we like to keep small 
and we like to support small businesses. We started it in 1998 and we started with a drink in a bar in London at the Institute of Directors and 27 people came along. We bought them all a glass of Chardonnay and we said we're building this community to support small business owners to get onto the internet and do e-commerce. So we combined the word e-commerce and academy to create e-academy and eacademy.com was its URL. And we invited people to meet every month before we built the website. And so we went from 27 to 54 to 108 to 256 to 512 within six months. And we realized by the summer of 98 that there was, there was a big demand for physical networking, but we realized we couldn't support all these individuals without some kind of business model. And we tried business models. We tried, we tried to get corporate sponsors. We tried to get advertisers. We tried to get people to pay to pitch. Uh, we tried all sorts of uh, different techniques to build a business model. But, but other than good old-fashioned consulting and training and physical events, we couldn't really find a business model. Not until somebody walked into our office in 2001 called Julian Bond. And he said, I think I can build this platform i can turn these individuals into a community on a platform called drupal d-r-u-p-a-l drupal if you look at drupal you'll see it's now on version nine some uh, 21 years later and so julian we hired julian to build a community on drupal and we built a business model which was 10 pounds a month and we launched this in 2002 and people started to pay this 10 pounds a month. And we had more and more events and we had inquiries from all over the world. Uh, Roger built the business in Southeast Asia. We had Hendrik building it in, in Belgium, Gert built it in the Netherlands. And we had people literally in cities all over the world building these communities. And we shared this 10 pounds a month with them and it gradually started to expand. And by 2005, we actually had 500,000 members and 30,000 paying subscribers. And that, that 30,000 paying subscribers paying their 10 pounds a month paid for all of our costs, our flights, our travel, our expenses, running the events and so on. And the group got bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, during this time, obviously in 2003, LinkedIn launched in 2004, Facebook launched, and obviously in 2006, Twitter launched. And so we were attacked by this world of free, big, giant, free, tons of venture capital. And interestingly enough, when Facebook launched heavily in the UK in 2007, it was really that platform that brought us down. Because we kept going until 2012 when we sold the assets to an insurance company. But what people wanted was a social business network. And that's really what Facebook provided to people, at least in the UK. We had our 10th birthday party in 2008. And we had 800 people there celebrating what we had built. But the business model of £10 a month wasn't enough to sustain it against these big, giant, free networks. And so by 2012, they had completely taken over and we decided to sell. And we sold out to an insurance company, had to uh, sign a very long non-compete contract 
So we weren't able to come back and build community for many, many years later. And that gave us a lot of thinking time. So Penny and I joined a number of boards as a non-executive, as an independent director. We wrote a number of books. We spoke at a lot of conferences, but we, all, we always wanted to bring something back. But we didn't want, we, we never really believed in these big giant free platforms, um, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram. We never really liked them because probably because we thought there was no intimacy. There was no trust. They were just like motorways or freeways. They, they weren't really, they weren't really places of trust and love and comfort and support. And we always believed that business was personal we always believed in small, intimate groups. And when we look back at Academy, which, which ended up as 650,000 members, what it actually was, as Mike said is in his introduction about A Friend in Every City, our 2005 book, it was actually 5,000 groups of about 130 people in roundabout, 200 cities around the world and I, and I went to all of those cities to all of those events so so actually it, it was 5,000 small intimate groups and with that in mind I, I personally think that LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram have never have never really delivered anything more than a system, um, a machine, a motorway, a freeway and so it was really during COVID that we made a decision to build a small intimate group again um, in 2020. We decided we had a lot of messages from Academy members all over the world saying, when are you guys going to come back and build another group for us? Because we're, we're sick of Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. And it's quite interesting when you get messages from people saying that they're bored of those platforms. And so that really started our quest to go back to move away from big giant and free and go back to good old fashioned, small, intimate, paid. And that's what we started building last year. And that became the BIP 100 Club. Let's, so let's jump into that, Thomas. I, I really want to pick up a couple of things before we jump into BIP 100, because, you know, folks, here's, here's a man and his wife who built a social network of 650,000 people. And um, it was primarily a paid network. Um, and so that was phenomenal. You know, as you said, 30,000 members are paying at least, uh, you know, $10 a month. But we couldn't agree with you more in that, you know, I, I keep statistics, Thomas, and I can tell you, I remember them pretty well too. In 2009, 24% of my company's revenue came from Facebook. By 2012, it was 2%. Now I use Facebook to hang out with my friends and look at photos, you know? So, um, and I'm, you know, if I didn't have so many friends on Facebook, I'd probably be off it by now, to be quite honest with the, with the control that's there. I hope LinkedIn doesn't go that way, but it, it probably is to a large extent. But I think LinkedIn is, all of them are just white noise. It's all white noise. And you rather you don't really get to anything. Now you said two words in that um, which are phenomenal, and it's so interesting how aligned when you when you get people that uh, you know you've really known for a long time, how aligned your thinking is. Use the words trust and love, and 
Um, we have a process called the money train and it's a, it's a trademark process. And um, last year, our American partners who run large video training, the only thing they wanted to, to do last year was video the money train, which ended up, they put it out to 400,000 students. The money train is a lead generation funnel. Step two and step three of it, Thomas, are building trust and getting people to fall in love with you and you falling in love with people. That's exactly what you and Penny have been doing every single day you know, of your lives since you worked this out probably in your mid-30s. So with that, let's go to BIP because it's quite similar, in fact, uh, in many respects to Circle of Excellence, which we've had for a long time as well. And let's jump into what led you to start BIP? What does BIP mean? And then you call it BIP 100. So, so tell us about that. Yeah, Mike, it's interesting. Those are, the, those are the first two words on my notes in front of me. Um, one of the things I find fascinating is I've been online now since I was 25. So 1989, I'm now 57. So I've been online for 32 years. And if I go back to the late 1980s, early 90s, when we were, had our AOLs and our CompuServes and our Mosaic browsers, it was, all very, it was all very basic and primitive. But what we had in our mind back then was that in 30 years' time, in a generation's time, typically a generation is 30 years, we thought after 30 years, can you imagine it in 30 years, Penny and I used to say to each other, we're going to have everyone connected on the internet with some kind of device and we're going to have perfect information because we're going to know everything. If we look at the reality 30 years later, we do have everyone connected in some kind of device, various devices, including their cars now. Um, but we do not have perfect information and we have constant conspiracy theory, we now are in this world where we don't trust any of the information that comes out of anyone's mouth from any politician, any chief executive, any form of authority on any medium, on any channel worldwide. So interestingly enough, what free actually created was zero trust. Absolutely. I and couldn't agree I, more. I just, what I find interesting so about true. that is... Um, Chris Anderson, a friend of mine um, in this World Wide Web world, I've met most of the founders of, of uh, all of these Googles, Facebooks, I've, I've met pretty much everyone in the industry face to face, is when they focused on uh, free, and if you look at, I think Chris wrote his book in 2006, Free. Free was considered the, uh, the Messiah, the promised land, the goal of uh, every organization was was for everything to be free and paid for by some other business model be that advertising or some manipulation of your data the downside is of free as i say is it's created zero trust and zero hope and when we see certain presidents behaving online um, a a manipulative dangerous threatening environment which uh, I, th I thought was actually quite hostile and unnecessary when what humans want is, uh, is community, we want love, we want support, we want care, and as Mike says, we want, we want trust. So I think the first, the first thing to say about community building is you have to decide whether, whether you 
like the world of big, giant and free, and as Mike said in the example of Facebook, 24% of income down to zero. I think we've all been through that. Basically, these motorways are only motorways. That's all they are, these platforms. They're just systems. They're little more than just systems. And you have to push away from these and think about your own individual groups. Now, Penny and I, having had 650,000 members, uh, we never wanted to have that again. Not because we didn't like it. We really did love it. Uh, was it because it was overwhelming. We used to have a thousand messages a day, uh, two or three hundred phone calls a week. It was it was beyond our capacity. And we had a big team worldwide helping us. But there was this sense that uh, everyone had to meet the founders. So BIP 100 uh, it stands for BIP stands for businesses personal. Businesses personal is the title of Penny's book that she wrote a few years ago. And 100 is we wanted to limit the membership of our group to 100 people. And we wanted to limit it to 100 because we thought that's the maximum number of people that we can get our arms around in terms of care for, support, connect, introduce, educate, love, care. And the interesting thing is the reason we kept the numbers small was because in every academy event around the world, literally in every event I went to, New Zealand, Australia, Africa, South America, everybody used to say the same thing to me. They used to say, Thomas, you know everyone in this network, which I didn't. I probably met about 10, maybe 15,000 of the members over 14 years, but I didn't meet 650,000. Is They used to say to me, Thomas, you know all the right people. Can you introduce me to the right people? And this sentence fascinated me, why everybody wants, because everybody wanted the filter. So in bit 100, we just wanted to have 100 of the right people. So yep. that was the reason for restricting it. The, the other interesting thing is academically, scientifically, we have a professor of anthropology at Oxford University called Robin Dunbar in the UK, who's come, come out with a theory of Dunbar's number. I wanted to ask you about that. It's fascinating. So, so tell us about Dunbar's number, because I actually have a client who was a professor of, of maths from Cambridge University, he lives in Denmark now. And uh, I first heard of this from him, so, but I can't remember it. And when, when it came up in your notes, I was going, aha, tell me all. So Robin believes that, uh, he's an anthropologist, he believes that as primates, we can only hold 150 relationships in our head. And if you look at his Wikipedia page, you can see his theories behind that number. The interesting thing is, if you ask people at, uh, for a wedding or say a birthday, if I had a 60th birthday or my daughter's wedding or something, and you had a pen and a paper and you had no internet or no address book or no phone around, how many names you would write down to invite to that wedding or that birthday? Most people can write down about 150 names aunts, uncles, friends, relatives, people you want to come to your birthday. Obviously, there was lots of other names that you perhaps don't want to invite to your birthday or your daughter's wedding. Um, and so he's, he's done a lot of testing around that. But I believe the 150 number, and Penny, we think this number is too high. And that's why we wanted to do an experiment on 100 to see the reality of, of size and scale. That's why we limited the membership to 100 because we we were thinking about what's what's the most number of people that we can 
see in a year, have dinner within a year, visit their houses in a year, they visit our houses in a year, but actually we can get round. And if you imagine a physical conference, we like to have an annual conference with our 100. When you have a 100 people at a conference and you're in a hotel or some kind of uh, complex, actually a 100 people is quite a lot to manage when they're all together. And so we, we, we stuck with the, the number of 100. Now, some of you will have noticed the rise of a new social audio platform called Clubhouse. And it's, it's sort of really exploded in January, February and March and then kind of disappeared again as quickly as it appeared. And it, it sort of had a 90-day life. <laughs> but it, it, has, it has been a born, it is alive, it is kicking and it had its. Uh, it had sort of three months in America success. Oh, it's the next greatest social network in America. Three months, and then it came to Europe. Oh, greatest platform in the world again. Three months, and now it's mainly um, African, Asian, and Indian platform. Oh, and they think it's the best thing in sliced bread. Interestingly enough, if you look at the average size of the rooms on Clubhouse, it's about a hundred. And I'm very fascinated by that. I know the founders at uh, Clubhouse, and they're old Academy members, of course they are, uh, pretty much every platform. Um, like R Reed Hoffman from LinkedIn was a member of Academy. Jack Dorsey from Twitter was a member of Academy. Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook was a member of Academy. Anybody who founded a social network at some point in their life has been a member of Academy. Clubhouse, no different. And so... The interesting thing is, even on a platform like Clubhouse, when you think, what are people seeking in an environment from Clubhouse? They're seeking uh, intimacy, uh, audio, listening, trust, uh, a place of support, and probably driven a lot by being at home, locked down with COVID. A lot of that was to do their, with their success. But, but typically, room sizes are anything from 30 to 100. And that's the average size of rooms. And I'm very fascinated by that because I, I think, and we know this from bit 100, when we hit 30 members, people start to panic because 30, whoa, whoa, 30 is a lot. 30 is a lot. And I've been through everyone's telephone on bit 100 and looked at the number of phone calls they make per month. I'm not talking to call centers or support networks or anything like that. I'm talking about actual intimate phone calls with peers or colleagues or business friends. And we all make about 30 phone calls a month. And so over a period of three months, it's about 100 phone calls that we make. So I, I do believe our capacity to deal with one another is about 100 people. So that's a long answer, Mike, to why we limit it to 100. Well, it's a, it's a great answer. And, and it's fascinating because, as you know, Thomas, you know, back uh, in the early 2000s, we all used to run seminars and, you know, our objective was always to try and get a thousand people in a seminar. If we could get a thousand people in, you know, it was going to rock and we were going to make money and everybody runs to the back of the room and all this. And one of the reasons I, I started the Circle of Excellence group is because I got so sick of people running to the back of the room and having to buy stuff and then upgrade and upgrade and upgrade and upgrade it and, and things like that. But one of the things that I, I learned over the last 10 years, I guess, and it's definitely been a, um, a platform for us, which I think really is aligned with where you're going here for probably the last seven years has been, we've gone well right away from big events. Um, these days you can't have them. So I think it was a good move, but 
you know, we were going to micro events. So our micro events were 10, 12, 15 people, that sort of events. And I can be honest with you, we made more money at micro events than we ever did having a macro event. Our companies have been more successful in the last seven or eight years than they were in the 10 years before that. And we saw tens of thousands of people in the first 10 years and probably thousands of people in, in the last 10 years. So there is there's something here where, you know, I use the example in, in a book I wrote, Conscious Leadership, about what you were saying about trust online. And I wanted to bake Landy, my partner, who you've met, a, a birthday cake. So I went in there and wrote, chocolate cake, birthday cake, 171 million responses. So, you know, different recipes. So I look at the first one, says put in two cups of sugar. I don't know how much that is. So I thought I'll check the second one, it says put in 250 grams of sugar. Is that a cup? Now I'm confused. So I thought I'll look at one more. I looked at one more and it says put in two cups of sugar. So now I don't know what I'm meant to do. So I go, this is wasting my time. Who do I trust? Gordon Ramsay. So I went Gordon Ramsay, birthday cake, got that, downloaded the recipe, made it and it was perfect. So in the end... All of this stuff that we've been doing online just wastes a lot of our time. We come back to areas of people and things that we trust. That's why people were going back to you and Penny and saying, guys, please start something for us because this schlep of an internet, which I also say, by the way, if the internet's so good, why are we all working so much harder than our grandparents were for the same <laughs> sort of standard of living? Um, you know, so now people are coming back to this. So I, I must admit, when I came across BIP 100 a couple of months ago, because um, I hadn't seen it before then, I, I was still thinking you guys were doing your um, board memberships and stuff like that. And then somehow I came across it. I thought, this is fantastic because what you're doing here is really sort of bringing people together. So I understand why you limit the number. Um, and so why do you think that sort of number, why do you think people are going for sort of everyone and more rather than just bringing it right back to grassroots. I remember a friend of mine who died actually last week said to me, he came out of the insurance world, he said, you don't need to go prospecting in the marketplace, just walk the block around your home every week and talk to everybody and you'll have more than enough clients than you'll ever need for a lifetime. And that's what he did and he had more than enough clients than he ever needed for a lifetime. So why do you think people are going so concerned with this macro and what do you think the future is and what are people experiencing through BIP 100 that is really bringing them together so a lot very, of questions there very fast a lot lot of questions there Mike first first of all I do agree with the points that you're making 100% absolutely 100% I think the thing is people people want to work with people like them and so we have, we have 58 members of BIT100 since we launched it in September. But Penny and I have done over 600 interviews to find those 58, right? And it, it's, not, it's not that the people have been bad. It's just it's not the right group for them. They belong in another group whether that be yours or someone else on this call, the, the precise profile of people's behavior, I think is, is very, very defined. And so we, we have a very precise definition of the kind of person we want to join. 
And as a result of that, I think there aren't many people who could actually get in because we're looking for such a precise definition. And I, I think we all, we all want a certain kind of support network around us. Um, some people use a church, some people use a, a scout group, some people are in a cycling group, some people are in a business networking group. But I think people want a certain kind of support network around them, however they live their lives. And we do too. Um, one of the things we failed at with Academy is we weren't able to be a member of Academy ourselves. We were only able to run it or administer it, but we, we weren't able to get any support from it because it was overwhelming us. So we were, we were running a company rather than belonging to a community. I think in terms of the, in, in terms of the way you build your, your group, your club, your, your place, you have to be very precise of the definition of the profile of people you want in it. And as a result of that, we wanted to keep it very small. Now, what, what we didn't want, we, we didn't want it to be homogenous where everyone was the same. So what we said is we wanted 100 experts in 100 niches worldwide. And the 100 niches is a little bit like you'll know Ivan Meisner well, Mike, from yeah. B&I, as, as we do. We've stayed with uh, Ivan. Um, he lost his wife, Beth, last year. Mm. Um, but you remember with the B&I network, and I consider Ivan the father of business networking or the father of referral networking, because B&I is very much about giving referrals to your, your peers, your co-members. Um, he always limited, you can only have one lawyer or one accountant or one yep. florist or one car dealer in his breakfast groups. So we wanted to, we wanted to keep uh, the number of niches to 100 and we wanted it to be worldwide. And when you have 100 people in 100 niches and then you're worldwide and you want, you want mature professionals, we didn't want any sort of I want to come in there and sell. And is it a marketplace types? Yes, there's lots of business that happens in the group among the members, both as clients and suppliers and referrals and recommendations. There's loads, in fact, much more, in fact, than we actually expected. But we, we wanted it to be full of mature professionals who you could trust that every one of them has been vetted by Penny and by me. And so they've, they've been through an interview process. And so people think, well, if, if you and Penny have vetted them for this long, it's unlikely you'll have made a mistake. But, but e even so, you still do make errors, even when you go through that process, because there's certain behavior patterns that some individuals have that just don't fit. They, they have a values mismatch. And there's no shortage of experts in the world, but they haven't got necessarily the same values as us. And there's no shortage of people with the same values as Penny and I, but they're not experts, but they think they are experts. So actually, Mike, to find the right hundred is, is much harder than you would think, despite having all these social platforms all over the world, using them, advertising them, putting content on them. We've done that for 25 years. It, it hasn't been an easy process, but it has been a very enjoyable process. 
So, Thomas, I, I find this fascinating, the alignment, and those uh, people that are on our, in our circle of excellence on the call will be listening to this because they know, I don't know if they believe this, but uh, they know that I say no to seven out of 10 people that I interview. I interview a lot of people, but seven out of 10 of them, as you say, it's not that they're bad people, um, they're, they're just not right. And, you know, the, we, have the same, we have the same questions you do. Is this the type of person we want to have in our house? Do we want to go to their house? Do we want to have them in our life for the next five, 10 years, et cetera, et cetera? We ask all of those questions. And I think this is so pertinent for people listening because a lot of people in business don't ask those questions. Their question is, do they have a checkbook and can they write, write a check or you know, swipe a card or something like that today because I need money? But the, the more you realize that the more you have walkaway power, the stronger your network becomes. And, you know, as I said, we've been doing this for 10 years with this, with that model for, for that group. We've got several companies, but, but that's the model. That's where we spend 80% of our time. We've never had one client that's been a problem. I'm not saying we haven't selected a client wrong, but I'm never saying we've never had, you know, those clients that are constantly, oh, I need this, or can you do that, or this and that and the other. I've never had one. And, um, and touch wood, nobody on this call, you better become them either. But Thomas, I'm interested, what's the future for this? What's the future for you and Penny? And what's the future that you see for networking in the world and bringing people together in communities? And by the way, I see Garth here. Garth runs um, one of the biggest uh, networks, which is the biggest competitor to BNI in New Zealand. They've got about 900 members in their gr groups and they run breakfast events and things like that. And I've spoken at them. So... You know, I know he'll be sitting here listening as well. What do you see the future as? What's the future for you and Penny? Okay, Mike. So you and I, you and I agree on a lot because we both believe in small, intimate groups. And uh, Garth, I'm a director of a New Zealand company in Auckland called Nine Spokes, which is uh, a B2B SaaS technology provider to banks. So when I'm next in New Zealand, if I'm ever allowed to come Jacinda back. Jacinda won't let you in. Don't worry about it. She's not going <laughs> to let anybody in. Uh, it's looking like 2023 by the time we're going to be able to get back to New Zealand, it would appear, with all the bubbles. But uh, I look forward to coming to, uh, to meet you, Garth, and being uh, in your 900-member in your business group around New Zealand because I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, of those kind of environments, as are the, uh, as are the directors of, uh, of Nine Spokes. But Mike, in answer to your question about the future, the future is about being small. And so what does this mean? This, this does mean breakfast, this does mean lunches, this does mean dinners, this does mean things like your circle, it does mean things like Bit 100, it does mean things like mastermind. And there have been many mastermind approaches around the world, but, but no one's really taken the mastermind space worldwide vistage have had a go v-i-s-t-h-e-e um, but they've gone they've got sort of gone for the mid to higher market and I, to me vistage have never really got it right but i think there is a growing need for small intimate groups in your local town or community where you reside yep. i can i see more more small intimate groups happening as a result of COVID and a desire to not travel. But also the motive to not travel um, is to do with 
uh, green or climate or eco, whatever label you want to give the, the climate uh, focus, because uh, Greta Thunberg is getting through to everybody that we're all going to burn or drown or freeze unless we change our behaviour. And I know all the politicians swoon over this 18-year-old, but she is getting through to people uh, worldwide. And so I think the switch over to electric vehicles and more localness will push what Penny calls, and Penny developed the idea of the business cafe, that these small intimate groups would end up inside a coffee shop in every town in the world. And in the same way as you have a friend in every city, you have a business cafe in every city. That becomes the commune, that becomes the support group for the breakfast networks, for the lunch networks, for the dinner networks, for the online networks, where people meet and they have their meeting place, they have their coffee, their, their croissant, their sandwich, they have their events in the evening. So I, th I think the environment, Mike, is a shift to what's much smaller, much more local, much more intimate, and away from big giant free. The, these big giant free things, I think, are only really suitable for professional content producers. Uh, you may you may know that I've been coaching a young lad called Jay Shetty, who's built uh, an international brand. And I met Jay back in 2013 at Accenture when I was coaching their executives. And this young kid just came to me with a lot of desire and passion. So I've been nurturing him, nurturing him these last seven or eight years. But this, but this kid is a professional content producer. He's like TV standard production. And I think if you're using LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, any one of these giant platforms, you, your content has got to be as good as television content. And I don't think many people have those skills. Not that they don't have the skills to hire the directors, the producers, and the editors, but they don't have the presentation skills. An awful lot of people don't realize that most of us have got a face for radio, and therefore <laughs> we need to stay behind the camera, not in front of the camera. And I, I don't mean that as an insult, but when you see people on a screen, they, they, they tend to be the, the better looking profiles of the human race and the, uh, the 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 less lookers tend to be behind the camera or on radio which is another reason why i think clubhouse is very successful because clubhouse is the perfect platform um, for those with a face for radio but in answer to your question mike it, it's small it's local it's intimate it's mastermind it's coffee it's business cafe it's coffee shop um, it's electric vehicles it's not traveling far and it's, it's away from big, giant conferences, as you described. It's away from the airport. Um, it's, a, it's, away, it's away from physical travel and more towards local and intimacy. And obviously, much more activity like you have here on, uh, on Zoom, where you're recording content and sharing it later. We have four events a week on Zoom for our Bit100 members. Pe people love this. That said, we had our first dinner last week in London for our Bit 100 members. We had 27 people there, and it was a true joy to physically have a dinner with 27 people because we haven't been allowed out of our homes for 15 months. And when you've been in a house for 15 months, it's all right if you have a nice home, 
which we do, but you just go stir crazy. So it was actually very nice just to physically be in a room with people. But um, we're, we're shifting away worldwide, I think, from big, giant, and free to small, intimate groups. But I think the core of the behavior, Mike, is to do with these things, whether you call it electric vehicles or Greta Thunberg or veganism or COVID or lockdown. But I, I think we're returning to local tribes rather than global tribes. Yeah, I, I believe that too wholeheartedly. We have a saying where um, that some of our people know, go online to get people offline. And so as fast as you can. And uh, I think, you know, having the dinners and that is fantastic. I mean, you know, we even threw a Christmas party in, in Cape Town last year for our Circle of Excellence members. It was really well patroned. Everybody had a, had a great time, uh, you know, lucky that we could do that. Let's jump you do into need some those questions. once a quarter or once a year. You definitely yeah, do. it's fantastic to do those. Yeah, we we still run live events for for our members, but they're boutique. So you know, they're 15, 20, 25 people, no more than that generally. And uh, you know, up until COVID, we still ran a Bali business school, but again, maximum of twenty five people at it. So it was really boutique, six days boutique stuff. Um, Philippe's been gracious enough. Thank you, Philippe. You're always gracious to put in the uh, the BIP100.club um, uh, website in there. And Thomas, I see you've put in your um, your WhatsApp as well in there. But let's jump into any questions that anybody might have of Thomas if they want to find out more about uh, the BIP100 club. Um, are you looking to expand this globally now? Are you looking to, to, uh, to create clubs in different countries or, or what are you looking to do, Thomas? Oh, Mike, it's such a challenging question, this. It's such a challenging <laughs> question because um, we, we've done that before and it nearly killed us. So we're, we're nervous, we're cautious, uh, dare I say we're even frightened. Um, what has intrigued us about building this 100 Club is we've been contacted by a number of large organisation corporations and said, are you... Are you planning to turn the Bit 100 into a procurement hub that we can dip into and put projects in there for your members to bid on? So that's intrigued us that that's yep. come about um, because there are some very skilled people in this in this hundred, and I should I think if they work together in teams, they could probably solve pretty much all world problems, um, commercial problems, I should say, if if they're given the opportunity. We have been contacted about a bit 100 in New York, a bit 100 in Auckland, a bit 100 in San Francisco, all, all the things you would expect to happen as a result. But I think Penny and I are probably going to go towards teaching community building as opposed to building more bit 100 clubs because there are community building is such an art form. And there are so many elements to community building, like the culture, like the boundaries, like the onboarding process, like the events, like all the different suppliers you need, like the lead generation process is so precise now. I can't believe we use 48 different applications to run this group of 100 people, 48 right. different software applications that we subscribe to. To use 50 applications to run a group of 100 people just indicates the level of intensity. And the other thing 
Mike, that intrigues us is when you have these deep, intimate relationships with a hundred people, they want so much more than you know, but they don't tell you what those things are until time has passed. And so while we have a, a very precise model in terms of membership size and, and monthly fees, and also no contracts, we didn't want it to be like a phone contract. Um, we wanted people to have the ability to cancel it if they wished at any time, because we wanted to have trust ahead of contract. That was quite important to us. Is each of each of each of the people in the Bit One Hundred have asked us about could we help them build their One Hundred, and that has intrigued us as well. So I think rather than do the New York Bit One Hundred or the San Francisco Bit One Hundred or the Sydney Bit One Hundred, I think we're going to move towards more teaching our members how to do it rather than. Um, creating a franchise or some kind of agency that does it around the world that would be more like McDonald's and having done that before and seeing how quickly that gets out of control because everyone wants to do things their way uh, when you're when you're 37 it's a lot easier to do that than when you're 57 and because of that that push away from the airport that push away from planes that push away from international travel towards more zoom based conferencing based conversations i i think i think teaching and mastermind is more our future than replicating the bit 100 mode yeah absolutely thank you for that okay do we have any uh, any final questions anybody like to ask a question there Philippe, you normally, yes, there you are. So please unmute yourself. Philippe the frog. You're obviously French, Philippe. Exactly, yes. Uh, yeah, I had a question, uh, Thomas, regarding your um, ideal client or avatar. So you mentioned that we're experts, but that's kind of the functionality of, of, of people. But uh, you seem to be like my driven by a set of values. Um, could you tell us what are those values and how do you screen with those values? Yes, a lot of people come into uh, business networks, Philippe, because they're focused on um, information or contacts or deals or money. And, and I understand the need for all of those four things. But what we, we don't mind people being focused on, on information, contacts, deals and money. We don't mind that. But we, we, we weren't trying to build a private marketplace, even though it's actually become one anyway. We weren't trying to do that. We were more focused on people who were looking for intimacy, love, support, education, Mike's word, trust that he started with, um, and care. But people who cared about the whole person, not just their business, cared about their, uh, their physical well-being, their mental well-being, their exercise, their food, their diet, um, what, what they did in their leisure time, their children, their, their pets, if they had pets, uh, their holidays, their travel, how they rested, how they relaxed, what music they listened to, the sort of whole person, if you like, the holistic person, um, as opposed to just their business. Not to say we're not um, interest in the business, of course we are, but we, we're really after people who care about the whole person, not just the business person. And when you have that definition, Philippe, 
you actually reduce the number of people down um, quite small because people think a business network is about money, uh, whereas money is probably only only 10% of the value in terms of making money um, of the value inside Bit100. I, I would say there's 90% other value in other things. Very good, Thomas. And, and great question, Philippe, and I loved your answer, Thomas. Any other yes, final question, Philippe? I love it. Garth, do you have a question of Thomas from a networking perspective? You're on mute there, Garth. Yeah, thank you, Thomas. Uh, no, very inspiring, Thomas, and, and really uh, we'll look forward to meeting you when you do come to Auckland in 2020, whatever. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, Thank well, you so much for sharing. I'm really hoping it will be 2022, Garth, and uh, I'll, mm. uh, I'll track you down through Mike, and I'll uh, I'll come and find you. Yeah, yeah sure. that'll be easy. Excellent. Cheers. Thomas, uh, thank you so much for for your time today, and thanks thanks for being on the call. And I think it was great. Um, anybody who wants to find out more about BIP 100, just go to www.bip100.club. So BIP100.club, check out what they're doing there. Um, and, you know, Thomas and Penny are, are fantastic people. <clears throat> you know, they've, uh, they've been uh, given many, many awards for what they do. Penny got the OBE. Uh, what was that, three years ago, Thomas? Uh, that, was, uh, that was 2014, Mike. That, oh, okay. She got that from the Queen. That's the, uh, yeah, that's the highest award ago. from the Queen in the country. Yeah, so Penny got the highest award from the Queen in the country. I mean... You guys have helped a lot of people around the world and, and uh, I thank you for being on the call today and uh, I think we've learnt a lot and I really appreciate your time. And please give my love to Penny from both Randy and myself. Thank you, Mike. And uh, thank you, uh, Nicola, for organising it all and uh, keeping up with uh, my calendar. Uh, and thank you, everyone. <laughs> Tanya, Mazama, Philippe, Garth, Terence and Vibrational Institute. I don't know your first name there. That's Mary. That's Mary. Thank you. Uh, thank you for listening in and joining in and, and good luck in your own personal community building wherever you are in the world. Keep it small. Keep it intimate. Keep it local. Keep it on Zoom. Thanks, folks.